So Catherine is going to now come and um, speak to us. Thank you, Anna. Good morning. When Marky asked people to offer to preach during his sabbatical, I felt God giving me a nudge. It was frankly a bit unwelcome. My response was to have an internal battle, but ultimately I wanted to be obedient, and so here I am. As soon as I'd given in to this holy nudge, I asked God what he wanted me to talk about. Immediately came the word blessings. As the coronavirus has unfolded, I've asked God several times if I should still be speaking about blessings. It doesn't feel like a time of blessing at the moment. How could I talk about blessings in the middle of a world pandemic and national lockdown? There are, of course, many blessings that are emerging. People spending time with their families, neglected DIY jobs being completed, neighbours looking out for each other, and the appreciation and heroism of the NHS staff and other key workers. And maybe this is part of God's plan, to slow us down and give us more time. But many people are suffering, obviously with health, but with finances, uncertainty, solitude, bereavement, feeling trapped, difficult family relationships. It's not an easy time for most of us. So where is God in all of this? Has he abandoned us? Thankfully, no. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, verse 20, that he is with us always to the very end of the age. Always. He is still with us. He is still in control and mightier than the evil one. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is a sure, is sure and a solid rock. And what a wonderful comfort that is. And if you're not sure that you are saved, please contact one of us and we'd love to show you how. So many of us have more time than usual to spend with God, but what is he doing? Is this a time when God is blessing us or has he withdrawn his blessings temporarily? And if he has withdrawn his blessings, why has he done this and how do we get them back? So today we're going to look at this passage in Matthew. We're going to think about what blessings are and how and why they flow. We're going to look at how, bless, how closely blessings are linked to obedience. And we're going to look at repentance and the passage in Daniel, where Daniel prayed for Jerusalem. So let's look at this passage in Matthew in more detail, the Great Commission. Jesus spoke these words after he had risen from the dead, the event we celebrated last Sunday at Easter. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. They worshipped. That was their first response, to worship the risen Jesus. I don't suppose they were singing. I imagine they were kneeling at Jesus' feet or lying prostrate before him. 
worship is not about the music, it's about our attitude and our hearts. Worship is an expression of reverence and adoration. God looks at our hearts. I love worshipping and especially when it's put to music. I believe there's power in it, that the enemy recoils at it. I've said before when I've been leading our song worship at Cairns that Israel went into battle led by people worshipping. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 21. And some feel that fighting this coronavirus is like fighting a battle. That we are enjoying a wartime mentality of pulling together. So let our response be first and foremost to worship. So verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Some of the 11 disciples doubted. They'd lived with Jesus for three years, witnessed miracles and watched him die. And now they were seeing him alive again before them. But still they doubted. Is this really Jesus? Am I hallucinating? I believe that Jesus knew some of them were doubting. It was probably written all over their faces. But despite their doubt, Jesus gave them this great commission, this instruction. And that's reassuring because Jesus can use us too, even in the midst of our doubts, if we are willing to be used. So what is it that Jesus was asking his disciples to do? Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus was calling his 11 disciples to make more disciples to baptise them and teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them to do. We need to do the same. We can be assured of God's blessing if we do the same. So what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower, a learner. We are called to imitate both the life and teaching of Jesus. We will be blessed if we do. Jesus did many things when on this earth, and one of them is he blessed people. So we're now going to look a bit more at blessings. Jesus proclaimed many to be blessed in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the pure in heart, the persecuted, and so on. He also blessed Peter. When Peter recognised that he was the son of the living God, he blessed the children who came to him. What is it to bless? Where does it come from? When people sneeze, we often say bless you. Or when a small child does something sweet, people might say, oh, bless them. But generally, it's a word used in religious settings. We read in the Old Testament that the Jews proclaimed masses of blessings. I understand they still do today. 
it's more ingrained in their culture than ours. And I think we're missing out and that we do well to adopt blessings as a more regular practice. Let's look at a few of these blessings in the Old Testament. Straight after creating humans, God blessed them. Genesis 1 verses 27 and 28 reads, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God also blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath. Genesis 2 verse 3 reads, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God also blessed Abraham, saying, I will bless you, I will make your name great. God promised to bless Abram if he kept to God's divine guidance. It was conditional on obedience. And this is a theme that flows throughout scriptures. God will bless those who obey him. God blesses Abram, who became Abraham, to make him a blessing to the nations. Blessings aren't supposed to be kept to ourselves. We're supposed to pass them on to others. This concept of passing on the blessing has reached our wider culture. One of my sisters found herself a couple of weeks ago to be in the envious position of having a surplus of toilet rolls. They were a gift, she hadn't been stockpiling. She gave some to a friend of a friend with a note saying, hashtag 40 acts. The grateful recipient said he'd pass it on. Hopefully the sentiment rather than the literal. The world understands blessings and how it's good to pass them on. Are we passing on the blessing that we have of knowing Jesus and his gift of salvation and life? In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for blessing is linked with the word for knee, bowing or bending the knee. It's linked to submitting to God with bended knees an act of humility and deference. My knees are a bit creaky these days, but thankfully it's about our hearts, not our bodies. Are our hearts submitted to God? And a blessing is not just a nice word and hopeful aspiration. It carries with it an expectation that God is changing things in our lives. Something is imparted from God. A few years ago, I read a book about blessings. It was written by Roy Godwin, the leader of a Christian retreat centre in Wales called Fardy Brennan. I know a few of you have read it. Roy Godwin and his wife turned the centre into a house of prayer and began to bless their visitors and local community. It is God who blesses but we are given permission and authority to bless. I think we can assume that God wants good things for those around us. He loves each of us more than we can ever fully understand. After speaking blessings over the local community, the Godwins started receiving unusual accounts of what was happening in their neighborhood. The local farmer asked, and Roy Godwin to come and see a calf that had just been born. 
He was excited because the calf had all the hallmarks of becoming a valuable bull. It was the kind of calf most farmers would hope to see once in their lifetime. And yet this was the second one in two years that the farmer's cows had delivered. Similarly, the local B&B received awards for being the best in the county. And an ancient stream that had been dry for centuries sprang up once more. And there were many more stories like this. Blessings, lots of blessings. Not only that, but people found themselves drawn to the chapel, not knowing where they were going or why. People had significant encounters with God in this chapel, and still do. Lives were changed, marriages restored, addictions broken. So I believe that part of what God is calling us to do is to speak blessings over our city, our nation, our families, our communities. And we're going to take some time at the end to do this. There were two significant points about the Godwins and Valdi Brennan. The first is they were obedient. And the second is they spoke out the blessings. They didn't pray. They weren't pleading for God to bless. They blessed the neighbourhood themselves. Jesus gives us authority to bless. God is, of course, the blesser. We have no power of our own. But we can speak blessings over others. And God honours these blessings if they accord with his will. I think that's exciting and amazing. And the Godwins were obedient. They wrestled with God in ascertaining his will for their lives. And they submitted to his will. So now we're going to look at obedience. Back to the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Obedience is rarely easy. It's often inconvenient and uncomfortable. I often disobey, go off piste and do my own thing in my own strength for a while. And thankfully, when we fail, we can repent and we are forgiven. Blessings flow to those who obey God. The corollary is that blessings are withheld when we don't obey God. The Bible is filled with references to this. Israel stubbornly went its own way time and time again. God lovingly used hard times to lead them back into a relationship with him. With this whole coronavirus thing going on, I think God is withholding his blessing. He's trying to get the world's attention again. Now, I'm not saying that all hardship is a result of sin. Far from it. I know people have been burdened wrongly over the years with this damaging theology. But I do think this particular hardship is a result of our national and worldwide sin. And God, in love, 
is trying to get us back. We've enjoyed years of peace and prosperity. And we've begun to see this as a right, that it's because we're clever and have worked hard. We don't attribute it to God's blessing. I think God's got fed up. I'm not saying he's fed up with everyone, but I think he's fed up with enough of us to be allowing us to suffer for a while, to see if we'll turn back to him and follow him. He loves us and disciplines us. As a nation, we have turned our back on God. Church attendance continues to fall. Laws are passed that dilute the Christian moral code. The nation values materialism and individualism and largely ignores God. Even as a church, we are trying to be so relevant to society that we sometimes lose sight of God's holiness. We don't like to talk about sin very much. I heard of one church recently who announced that people need not fear there'd be no more prayer meetings. They decided they didn't need prayer anymore. A church without prayer is just a social club with peculiar practices. We need God. Society does its own thing. The mantra is, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's okay. Morality is loosened. I'm not pointing fingers. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us, and we are told that there is now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. None of us is perfect, and as Christians we thankfully live under grace. But I think as a nation we have lost sight of God. In a society teeming with political correctness, it's still okay to mock Christians. Something's going badly wrong. I think that God desperately wants us to come back to him, to stop pushing him out of our national life. When I heard that the Queen was going to make a televised announcement, I hoped she would call for a national day of prayer, but she didn't. Despite being the defender of the faith, she shied away from calling the nation to its knees. I guess her advisers told her not to say anything that might upset people. As the, as the Beatles sung years ago, Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but doesn't have a lot to say. How sad. In contrast, in 1940, George VI called for a national day of prayer. Just 80 years ago, the nation came together and prayed. Immediately after the day of prayer, Hitler's armies halted for three days. The British army were evacuated from Dunkirk. It was widely recognized as a miracle. Further national days of prayer followed. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Archbishop of Canterbury called for a National Day of Prayer for deliverance from this virus? While we wait for him to do that, is there anything we can do as a church? Do we need the whole nation to pray for it to be effective? 
Could the prayers of this church in Westbury Park be effective? We're going to look at Daniel now for some guidance as we think about this. Pete's amazingly got David Suchet to agree to read to us. Um, so he's going to read to us now. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law, and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Thank you. So this is the vegan survivor of the, Dan the lion's den, Daniel. And in chapter 9, he prays on behalf of Jerusalem. 
Jeremiah had prophesied that there would be a time when Jerusalem would be desolate and that this would last for 70 years. And at verse 3, we read that Daniel turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. As he goes on to recite his prayer, confessing the nation's sin, he wasn't just praying for Jerusalem, he was confessing Jerusalem's sins. This is radical stuff. Could we do the same for Bristol, for the UK? Could we at Cairns Road confess the sins of our nation, repent on their behalf and plead to God for mercy? I've already started doing this quietly at home. And if you'd like to join me, there will be time at the end of the service to do this. Maybe we should have a day of church fasting too. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this virus led to revival because we fell to our knees? The Bible is full of references of how God has mercy when we fall to our knees. When we disobey God, we do not lose our salvation, but the sin becomes an obstacle in our relationship with him. When David and I hurt each other, which thankfully isn't often, it doesn't mean we're not married anymore, but it does affect our intimacy. We need to say sorry before things can go back to normal. When Jesus taught us to pray, he included repentance. I think we should keep short accounts with God. And like Daniel, we can also repent of the sins of our city and our nation. If we do that, maybe God will have mercy on our city and our nation and shift the tide of this virus and deliver us from it. So my message today is that God's blessings are abundant. He is our perfect heavenly father who loves us and wants us to be close to him. He is working his purposes out. We need to be obedient to receive his blessings, not because he is mean and controlling, but because being close to him is the biggest blessing of all. So we're going to have a time now of repentance and then spend some time speaking blessings. We're going to repent of our own sins first and then repent of the sins of Bristol and the UK. Words are going to come onto the screen for you to use. Be real with God. He sees our hearts. So I'm going to read slowly. And do join in if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. 